I often can't help wondering if all of the changes that I made and all the strategies that I used in my classroom were actually effective in preparing my students for the careers that they would go on to pursue. I believe with all my heart that we are supposed to prepare students for the real world, but I can't help but think that the real world today is a really fast-moving target. So a few years ago, I decided that the best way to know about the world that the kids were going to be working in was to start asking former students what it was like to enter the workforce and the kind of work that they were doing. I reached out to students about their work, their education, and what skills it really took for them to be successful. Today's episode is the beginning of our occasional examination on the So We've Been Thinking podcast of what Seth Godin once described as the new world of work. So we've been thinking. So we've been thinking. The podcast. To some people, social media is an important way that they can connect with their friends and family. To others, social media is a great way to give themselves voice and to share their opinions with the world. And to yet others, social media is a career. My name is Taylor Hyslip. Um, I am a social media professional, which is wild because um, this role did not uh, exist 10 years ago. This is a new thing. And on top of that, it's a brand new field. My company is um, called Capgemini. Capgemini is a 51-year-old company uh, that's based out of France and through a series of acquisitions uh, became this worldwide consulting company. We have 200,000 people worldwide in 180 countries, which is mind-blowing. But our, our focus is in consulting and technology uh, so how did that exist, um, 51 years ago? It didn't. Um, I think the spirit has always been innovative and focused on innovation, which obviously innovation, um, we associate that word with technology now, but it's not, um, it, it is just changing and being agile. Um, and right now that surrounds around, um, technology. Um, that's really cool because we agree like education for education, the concept of innovation and driving innovation in the classroom is something that, you know, is, is a popular idea, but also on this podcast is something that has come up in virtually every episode we've talked about. Um, and I think that we see it now in relation to technology, but it's no less, it was no less important before. Um, so your company has existed. I checked online, uh, since 1967, And now it's big in social media, which is your official title. Like, I love your official title, so I'm going to read it. Digital Campaigns and Social Media Lead, right? Um, But you were talking about things that didn't exist since you left high school. So you graduated from high school in what year? So I graduated in 2009. Uh, I graduated from uh, Fremd High School. And I uh, then went on to DePaul University and graduated in 2013. Um, I majored in PR, which has always been around. Okay. Um, which, I mean, there's, there's some definite overlap there. But I bet you that the course of study that you did in 2010 when you were beginning is probably would have probably changed quite a bit from now, right? Yes. So yeah. 2009... What social media did you use when you were in high school? And then what are the tools that are part of your job today? Sure. So, all right. Uh, Gosh, back in high school, um, I had just made my first Facebook account. I distinctly remember not being able to even understand how to add a Facebook profile picture. I mean, I was... (laughs) My my digital literacy and my uh, social media literacy 
was, was vastly different from it is now, from what it is now. Um, Twitter had just begun. Um, I remember I've had my account since I was, oh God, it's probably like 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so Twitter's been around a while, but uh, Instagram did not exist. Snapchat did not exist. Um, there are so many other channels that, that had, hadn't even been thought of or they were in their nascent right. stages and had not reached the popular um, vast of people. So then talk to me a little bit about, so these are some tools that you use in your, in your daily work. How are you using those tools in the work that you do each day? So surprisingly so, my, the tools that I actually use are, not, are, are very little to do with social media itself. Um, of course, I write, I write my tweets and my LinkedIn posts and our Facebook posts. Um, but so much of that is done on a back-end system. Um, to actually get the work done, we use things like Google Docs. We use Hootsuite, which enables you to schedule social media. We use uh, a program that you can actually... Um, launch LinkedIn campaign um, campaigns through that you put money behind. So what's fascinating about all of this is that, so my job is around social media, but how many tools have been created since social media has uh, sprung up that are supporting of social media and how little um, from a professional standpoint, I actually use those tools. Um, it's very rare I go into them and check them. I'm actually using uh, a host of other tools um, that are made for corporate use for social media, which is equally mind-blowing. Okay. So that's like a whole series of tools not even, that, are, that aren't even public-facing that are key to your job. Right. And we use so many things that if you are just um, like a consumer of, of social media, you will never see. Um, I mean, there really is an entire industry behind it. Uh, and you know, with the Instagram culture taking over and brands owning that channel, um, how many tools are used to produce that one thing that you see in the end? Okay. So let me ask this question. This is kind of an interesting path. You talked about digital literacy and we'll definitely get there because that's certainly a theme on our show, but, Mm -hmm. um, the idea of social media literacy, how important would it be for someone in your field to, to be literate in terms of like the breadth of social media, um, that's out there? I think it's very important. Um, but not just for me, for everybody, because I think, um, I imagine now we are almost at the end of having millennials join the workforce. And now it's, I think Gen S, Gen X is next. Is that right. correct? It's okay, the opposite so, way. Like Gen X is before you. So, right. Oh, wait, Gen, whatever the one after me is, but they, they blow my mind. I think that Right now, when people, uh, young people are hired right out of college or, um, you know, basically you're under 30 or early 30s right now, it's expected that you know how to use social media. Um, mm-hmm. It is expected that you are an expert in this, which is mind-blowing because um, we use it every day, obviously. Like you get off work and check your Instagram feed. Um, you check your Snapchats. Maybe you do it during work. I know I do. I check it all day. Be, well, you know, I use it as an excuse. My right. right, right. <laughs> um, it's convenient. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's, it's expected that you know, uh, you know the terms. You know how to use those channels. Um, it's incredibly important because your seniors um, and your peers will turn to you to be that expert. It doesn't matter if you are 
uh, a client facing person. It doesn't matter if you are uh, in operations um, right. or, or hell you're a writer. Um, people are expected because of your age group. It's a, um, you know, they assume, but that you understand how to use right. social media. So it's, it's interesting to me. I, we were talking earlier in, I've been having a lot of conversations on Twitter with uh, some experts. I've been having conversations with friends about this concept of what is literacy today. And mm-hmm. it sounds to me that when a person comes to work in uh, your company, that it's just expected that you be literate in, in communication. And mm-hmm. while if I were to say that you be social media literate, some people would dismiss that as that's extraneous, that's a distraction, that's kids walking down the street, looking at their phones, not paying attention. It seems to me that what you're saying is that like it is an expectation that a person who works in this organization have some understanding of how to communicate in the most current forms of communication that exist. Absolutely. Okay. And there is a consuming side to social media, but I mean, every time someone... Uh, a bit older than me, especially my dad. My dad is 65 years old. He comes to me and puts the phone in front of me and says, how do I send this or how do I do this? Right, right. Um, so I, I think social media literacy, uh, understanding how to use accounts or set privacy settings or change your photo even, like I said earlier, um, that liaises into the digital literacy, not just how do I send an email, how do I log into a computer, but how do you change settings? Um, how do you go in and we were talking about how do you turn off your notifications? Um, right. why is not this printer working? So, um, I think what blows my mind, uh, as a person who works in the technology field and our company was recently changed our slogan that included the word it, that is kind of decentralizing the it function because everybody knows how to fix a computer for the most part, unless it is very deep in the system. Um, you know, right. I, that's changing. Well, I feel like we could take an entire episode to talk about the concept of decentralized IT just alone. Yes. But let me let me do this. Um, you've given us a kind of a decent idea of your work and some important skills and kind of how things have changed since you started school, right? Yeah. So, but let me ask you, what other skills do you believe are essential to your job, which is ultimately communications and sharing yeah. information with people, correct? Yes. Okay. I think uh, something surprising um, that people might not expect to hear out of this is confidence. Um, I think there is a fine line with that confidence, uh, especially in the consulting world, because you can come off um, a certain way. However, uh, like I said, my company does focus in consulting. Um, and I will quickly explain what that means for my company in, um, in specific. But we take technology, software, hardware, and we send out our consultants to different clients and we have them implement that software. It is not our software. So we have SAP systems, Oracle systems, um, Salesforce systems, uh, AWS, which is Amazon Web Services. We have... um, We have consultants who are certified in that technology and we deploy them to different clients to help them um, change change their legacy systems and and get all fast and and into the digital world. So it sounds to me a little bit before, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but you're, so what you're doing is you're going into an institution that's been using a system Mm -hmm. and you're getting them, helping them and supporting them to alter and replace that system with something on the outside. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what that means for me specifically is I work with all these consultants. Um, 
a big part of what I do is actually teach social media literacy or social media expertise to our executives and, and encourage them to use social media as a platform for their voice. Um, so in order to do that, I need to have confidence to go in front of these, uh, you know, our CEO and our big guns who are oftentimes, um, I would say three years ago, I would be terrified to do. Uh, right. So I had to really trust myself, trust my gut and, and take that confidence as a social media professional to come in and say, hey, this is why you need to use this. And this is how, and I'm going to help you to hold your hand the entire way, which is, I mean, it's really flipping the expectations of um, expertise because they are the subject matter experts, but I'm the person holding them up behind the screen. It's it's funny. It's hard for someone who's an expert to teach somebody else who's an expert, even when your expertise doesn't overlap. You know, I think that's kind of hard. But I I think it's funny that you also said that you need to teach them the why of this. And that's kind of that we talk about all the time. Like, so do you ever struggle to share the why to them? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for some, for some, uh, experts in, so, you know, I work with experts in the field of, you know, they specialize in whatever sector they might sit in. Um, that is their expertise and they only talk that speak that language. So we have like aerospace and defense people who work with the military. What, why should they be on social media? I mean, government's kind of secretive in terms of that. Um, so I need to bring them the why and the numbers and um, really hum- humanizing explanation of, um, of social media. I mean, you know, coming and saying, okay, if you're going to do business with someone, um, you want to you wanna understand who that person is. Just like if you were going to buy a new uh, refrigerator or a stove, you're going to do a lot of research of what kind you want. If you're going to do business with someone, uh, you are also going to want to understand who they are and, and dig uh, deep into who you're about to do business with. Um, and I think that is one thing that school did not prepare me for was to um, trust myself and to, to ca- feel that I'm carrying my weight in terms of um, when the seniority levels uh, have flipped. See, that's, I mean, you're talking about a generation of workers who are, who are experts in something and they have got to rely and reach down to much younger people in order to augment skills that they don't possess. And to me, that sounds like a great opportunity for, for people of this new work generation. Like if you can relate that to people who aren't good in that, they're not just going to naturally get it. You know, right. to me, that's, that's a, a marketable skill that, that, um, as we as teachers can construct. I mean, it, again, from the educational perspective, if we can send people out better equipped to communicate, better equipped to, to share what they know or tell, tell their story, for, to put it in a better way, then that's going to put them in a position where they're going to be strong, where they're going to have uh, jobs and they're going to be successful. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm, I'm, I, I want to ask you this question. I'm torn because there's other questions I really <laughs> want to ask and dig into. But um, so what are the... What are some of the strongest whys that you have shared with people about why they should social media? Like when you're trying to relate, give me like a, a, a quick hit of some of the whys, why this is something that they should do. Or, or maybe I could, uh, uh, I can like sharpen this question by saying, if you were going to talk to teachers, why should a teacher include social media communication in their curriculum for their students today? I think the number one reason is 
Just like I said before, you want to bring a very whole picture of yourself forward. And this is a unique opportunity and a place in time. We are able to do that uh, publicly. Uh, we no longer have to blindly um, <laughs> blindly go into uh, business relationships or relationships in general. Um, you know, there is no such thing as a blind date anymore. People are going in and searching their person, that person's Instagram. But the same thing is happening in business. We no longer have to blindly go in and um, have our fingers crossed and hope we uh, maybe have some common grounds with those people or um, that maybe they are an expert. Maybe they're not. We don't know. Right. Um, it, sounds like the, it sounds like the strength of social media relationships is that they're searchable in some ways, right? Yeah. Like you go into a meeting before the idea of meeting someone in like uh, a nightclub and, and do, doing a business meeting over drinks where you try to get to know the person. Uh, it, that's an old model where now you can say, here's this group that I want to do business with. What does their history online show me? I mean, it, it social right. media, when we were talking to uh, around the time that you were in my classes back in the day, um, it seems like we were so afraid that people would put something out there that people would see. And now it seems like, yes, that's the risk, but it's also the incredible strength of what social media can provide you with because yes. you're putting out who you are. Um, there's this idea that if you can't, the best resume is someone Googling your name and finding, you know, quality work that's there. Right. And I think I'm going to keep this strictly into the business world, but um, I think that your profile allows people to um, kind of draw an outline of who you are. Okay. You worked here for this many years. This is the skills that you developed. Here's where you went to school. Oh, look, we have some common connections, but then as you maybe follow or connect with that person, I'm thinking specifically in terms of LinkedIn, when you add that person and you start to see updates that, okay, this person's sharing our media hits from the company, they are sharing a Forbes article that pertains to innovation or, or their sector or, um, in, in regards to the media hits, you know, what is your company up to? Um, what are they achieving? And are, are you supporting that work? That allows us to color in that outline and say, okay, this is great. They have those skills that I want. And then, oh, look, they're, they're specifically, you know, they're not just um, looking at very dry details uh, of what's going on in, in the industry. Look, they're, they're um, actively searching it and actively, you know, having thoughts and, and, and poignant remarks on what's going on. Sure. sure. So, I mean, it, it's definitely a sense of insight that I can provide you with. It's mm -hmm. certainly this concept of building a relationship or uh, putting out information that can help to uh, build a relationship. It's very mm -hmm. interesting. And I, I really feel like at some point I'm going to have to rethink and come back and talk about the idea of social media literacy as a important and quality life skill right now. Mm -hmm. Now, I kind of want to pivot a little bit back to education. And yeah. I want to ask you, in your current role, um, what did school do a good job of preparing you for? And then maybe where did school leave you completely unprepared for this job that you're in right now? Sure. So I will actually share a story with you that um, my first job ever, I was doing corporate communications, which means you're doing PR, but your client is the company you actually work for. Right. I was doing corporate communications for an advertising agency. I got to work um, and I was, I was very confused. You know, who? Okay, so I don't have someone telling me what to do necessarily. They rely on me to kind of show up and know what to do. There's no curriculum. How do I know right. 
what I'm supposed to do every day. Um, you know, aside from email writing and great, I have great grammar, uh, because school gave me great grammar skills. Um, you know, how, how do I know what to do? I'm going to show up to work every day and do what? And, um, I think I was so unprepared, um, for that business world, even though I was a great student, I loved school. Um, but that pivoting to the business world, I was left like totally confused and blindsided. Um, anyway, I, I made it nine months in that job and I was let go. And I think it, obviously there were uh, structural changes that happened and there were massive cuts in the company, but I think because I was so confused as to what to do. And, um, at the time my manager went on maternity leave. Uh, so I had no like consistency, but I mean, nonetheless, I had no idea what to do when I showed up to my first job. Right. I think it's important. You know, I love that you shared that. First of all, because it doesn't end with a beautiful, like this great story, like, but I turned it around. Like sometimes things don't work out. And, and the conditions that you talk about, such like your manager wasn't available to help and direct you, like those are very real. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like you have this, you, you go to school and you have a very structured environment that's going to teach you things, right? And we're yeah. going to teach you to be literate and we're going to teach you to be pleasant. And we probably were socialized to be a very positive person. But ultimately, in an unstructured environment, if you can't build structure around the task that they've given you, mm-hmm. that gets pretty tough. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about how I can get myself out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the best lessons that I taught were usually the ones where I stopped telling people what was important and said, here is a topic, what Mm -hmm. interests you and how can we figure out what is important and what to do? Like give them some agency over how that they do it. So then tell me a little bit about, if that's the case, then you probably went on to your next work experience thinking I have to be better in this way. How did you address that need? Yeah. And I think also one thing was I was, Uh, I was shy in the business world. I'm not a shy person by any means, but um, when you stick the CEO of the company in front of me, I'm like, "Uh, I don't know what to do. Um, How do I address that person? Um, How do I, how do I bring a boldness forward? So that was one thing that I am a complete 180 um, from, from the, from where I started, but you know, I just started to bring my whole self to work. You know, I am goofy. I am, I am loud. I sometimes have inappropriate jokes. Um, so bringing that whole, that whole thing forward, um, because no one wants to work with a robot. And I actually, I think I got so nervous after that to be well-behaved and follow the rules that for a while I was actually told that I was too stiff in the workplace. So I just, um, eventually over time, I got more comfortable with myself. Um, right. Anyway, uh, but that's, I mean, what you've said there is, is a great lesson. I, as soon as you started saying it, I started thinking, am, am I allowing a student to bring their whole self to school? And I think that there's huge segments of students that we don't allow to bring the whole self to school. We don't allow an introvert to bring their whole self to school. Oftentimes we put them, we, we force them into situations where they're just not comfortable speaking. Right. But there's many ways that we can, so if we use social media literacy, I think that people who are introverts can definitely get a message out in some way. Um, you know, like bringing your whole self to school uh, for teachers could be a great rally and cry for something great in the classroom. Um, I, but I also I, like the I, term of boldness too. Like, yeah. I don't know that we definitely think we need to have boldness. And I'm trying to, I was, as you were speaking, thinking in what ways do I teach boldness? You know, and mm-hmm. 
I think the closest I get is when I encourage students to create work and then give it to lawmakers, like talk to a lawmaker, yeah. get to this person who has power. But I definitely think that for, for me, and I wonder how many teachers listening to this would say that they could teach boldness. Um, right. That's, that's a, a hard skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, yeah, there are some things that I will say you, you can encourage, such as bold, boldness. And I think um, in 2018, now that uh, there's such a push for transparency and honesty and being your whole self, um, when even when I was in school, you know, you weren't, there were certain identities that were still kind of frowned upon. And, and those um, communities are like, you know, certain LGBTQ identities are are still having a hard time bringing those things forward. It's interesting. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about this and, and about your boldness and, but you're also in a way just in education. I mean, if your company's role is to go and get people to be convinced that a change is in their, in their interest, right. And communicating the importance of those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also these, these skills that you're talking about here are, I can see how they're so essential for you and, I'm interested to hear from listeners, like if they think that these things are something that they can build into their classes or if it's something and when they hear it, it resonates with them. Um, So um, let me ask you this question, and you kind of touched upon it a little bit, but how can the world, how can schools today, you know, um, better prepare students to step into a world of work that you have? And you've already talked about boldness a little bit, but I wanted to kind of go back and let you just answer that question outright. Like, what should we be doing to better prepare people for the work that you've stepped into? Or do, um, I don't know if you do hiring in your current position. Yeah, I, I do not hire myself, but I, um, I'm the liaison between uh, the public and, and people on social media, inquiring on social media. Absolutely. Um, and, and the hirers. So then let me ask this. Like, so there's two questions in this. Yeah. One, how do we better prepare people for the work that they would be doing if they worked with your company? And two, what kind of a person are you looking for? What kind of a, what does the candidate that you're going to hire look like? Sure. So I wrote this down as, as we were talking, but I think one thing in education, and I'm thinking more in terms of higher education, like college, um, we try, I feel as though we try to shove people into these boxes of majors, um, like pick a major, it's your whole life, but it's not. Um, because in my current company, we are looking for skills. We are looking for the correct building blocks to make that beautiful Lego castle. Um, we are not looking for the castle. Um, right. We are, we're not looking, we don't care about majors really. I and mean, we have history majors. We have English majors. We have math majors, science majors. Um, we are just looking for the correct skills to hire and not really, uh, like I said, those majors. I mean, it's great if you can write um, a dissertation. That's wonderful, but that's not really going to help you. It has to be a willingness to continue to learn because once you once you leave school nowadays, you have to keep up your certifications. You have to keep um, attending webinars or seminars or whatever it might be to keep your skills um, current. Uh, I, I say this because my specific company and many consulting companies take a batch of graduates um, and we lump them together in a classroom in India for six weeks and teach them teach them how to do their job, which is incredible. Right. Um, and they actually get the opportunity to bond and um, learn about where everyone else has come from and experience another culture. I mean, it's, it's great, um, but we actually reteach exactly what you need to be doing at this job. 
Um, so what we're looking for is the building blocks. Are you comfortable in front of a group of people presenting? Are you good at um, communicating your ideas in a clear and concise way? Uh, like I said, are you willing to learn and to keep learning? Um, do you have the literacy to use a computer? Um, you know, that's, I think that is a very privileged thing that we all assume uh, people can do. Because we've, well, at my school, we always had that technology. Some schools don't. Anyway, um, what else do we look for? We look for um, people who are, are willing to put in the hours. Um, you know, sometimes it's working late into the night. Are you a good team player? Um, that is another thing. And those aren't, uh, those aren't things that I felt I learned at school. Um, but, but they're almost, you can finesse them if, uh, the proclivity to be that way is already inside of you. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot to discuss about being a team player in collaboration and mm -hmm. different forms of collaboration. And when I go into schools, last week I went into schools and, um, a person asked a question about like, why would we, you know, like you said about Google Docs, why is a Google Doc so much transformationally different than paper? And we, we have to be able to have people who can work together and communicate in non-traditional ways. Like that collaboration isn't a group project where you go for 30 minutes into the back of the room, sit there and complete a worksheet together, right? Like that right. collaboration is the management of time, the distribution of responsibilities, the accountability to those people in those groups. So whereas in class as a teacher, I remember being young and thinking, you know, I've got to contain this group work because if it goes over a course of a few days, it's going to create problems and parents and kids are going to get upset. Now, I, I believe more like those group projects have to extend even longer. Those group projects have to become even more compelling uh, and, and present more challenges for how to manage a project because it's pretty much all that we do. I mean, I know that I now currently, yeah. when I'm not traveling to schools across the country, I work from my home and I communicate with people across the country um, who are in three different time zones yes. in a variety of ways. Is it a Google Doc? Is it a spreadsheet? Is it Slack? Is it the number of collaboration tools that I have to use in order to be an effective worker today is tens of them, 20 at least? Yes, yes. And I, I, that was definitely something that I wanted to add, which was life as group projects, um, time management, being flexible. Um, like I have a call at 6.30 tonight with Singapore. Like, do I really want to have a call at 6.30? No, I don't because I've also woken up at 6 a.m. to take calls with India. Right. Um, so, you know, being really flexible, you have to learn to work with a lot of different personality types. And that's another um, thing I would add is in education, there are so many personality types in the world. And uh, oftentimes the way that we teach only fits a few of them. Um, yeah, so how do we finesse those other personality types? Um, but there, I mean, I have people who are very cut and dry, you know, just like one line gets it done and slack. Are you, um, collaborating on another, a bunch of different channels? Are you, I mean, outlook, we're using, we're communicating through direct messages. Uh, we are correct, communicating through outlook. That's another thing. How did I had to learn how to use Outlook when I joined uh, a company. That's not something I learned. Right. It's funny when you're talking here, I just realized that because you're someone who I've known for a long time, um, I didn't have your current uh, phone number to text you. I used Instagram. <laughs> 
And Instagram is more stable than your phone number, apparently. And then from there, we went to an emailed link and then we communicated. I'm sure like now we're using Zoom video to record this. So uh, just there's at least four pieces of technology just right here that we've used just to coordinate this one meeting, you know? Yep. It's true and, and crazy. And we didn't even think about it. Yeah, it just awful crazy. It was like one of these ways is going to bring us. It's, it, I'm I have another episode that I'm going to be recording this afternoon with a really exciting person in education, and we communicated through LinkedIn. Uh, he sent me an email. I eventually sent him a link using I, I don't even know what, and then he uh, Google chatted me when he thought of something else because he <laughs> knew it would be right on my screen. So again, just two people in 15 minutes of communication. I used eight or nine different tools in order to do it. I think that that is something that you know we I, I began to be worried in the beginning of using technology in the classroom that it might overwhelm people with tools, and I certainly think that you have to go slowly and institute a small uh, additions of those tools. But our, our, our app literacy, our tool literacies are growing so much that like how many tools could you say that you're actually really proficient in? And for me, that number is in the hundreds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just looking at what's open at the bottom of my screen alone. There's two, four, six, eight, <laughs> 10, 12, 14 things open right now. Um, and we're expected to know how to do that as well, which is wild to me. And I think one thing that would have um, really taken me aback when I was in high school. It's like, oh, you mean once I leave the classroom and once I leave the school, there's still like you can still contact me. You can still uh you can you can still find me and share my lessons. Like no, once I'm out of the classroom, I'm done. But that's not the case anymore, I guess. Yeah. I think that there's just the nature of relationships in this world. Like we have um people from early on in my teaching career, so back in nineteen ninety five when I first uh, was independent in the classroom before I was teaching prior to that though. But I remember I, I got my first, uh, Juno email back then and people would contact, I, I still had access to that email up until two years ago, just because people would sometimes contact me. Mm-hmm. But you know, how we build relationships and how we maintain those relationships in the tools and the social media or, you know, like websites that we're using. I think that those things we used to think are throwaway. I used to think we thought that they were surface level and extraneous. And I think that now they're woven into the fabric of how relationships work to the point that we can't discount those things. Because right now, if I didn't have Instagram, how would I have contacted you? I'm sure I probably would have figured it out somewhere. Like I would have Googled you and I know that there's the work there. So, um, you know, uh, thank you very much. This conversation has been awesome. It really has gotten to my point. I really want to, to share with people what is the nature of the work that people are currently doing and what skills are essential to that work so that we can retool our classrooms to provide people with those skills. Because something that you've brought up and another person who's been on the show has brought up is the idea that companies have to completely reteach people. They have to completely retrain them. And if we want to be essential to the world and, and really help our students, I think it's really important for us to teach those skills that they come in ready. I want to help these students be prepared to jump into that work world that you've done such a great job of explaining to us today. So thank you very much, Taylor. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. The presenting sponsor of the So We've Been Thinking podcast is EdTech Teacher, leading change in changing times. For more information about our guests and resources mentioned within the podcast, please go to SoWe'veBeenThinking.com. If you'd like to propose a guest or a topic, please reach out to us on Twitter, where you can reach us at Greg Kulowick, 
at Sean McCusker, or send us a message on our So We've Been Thinking account. 